0: same form we've been working with. We'll sit for half an hour and there'll be a talk and discussion. So please find a comfortable posture so that you're upright and alert and relaxed and we'll again be using the body scan as a way to establish a sense of embodied mindfulness. So starting from the head become aware of your skin, top of the head, forehead, back of the head, face. And then we'll be flowing down through the body, the neck, and aware of the skin at both shoulders. And then both arms, starting with the upper arms, and lower arms, and hands, skin means to feel, sense, be aware of, or simply know there is skin here in the, now the head, the neck, the shoulders, the arms, hands. And then sensing or being mindful of the skin in the top half of the torso. and the bottom half of the torso. Letting your thoughts or other concerns be in the background as you stay with the anatomy that we're going through right now of the skin then both hips, and then the upper legs, both lower legs, And the feet and toes. In a very relaxed way, just sense the skin of the whole body sitting here. And then, beginning with the feet, we'll move to the flesh, the toes, the feet, the flesh of the feet. And of the lower legs, muscle, calves, then moving into the upper legs, and the buttocks, hips and shifting into the torso from the bottom half of the torso flesh including the different internal organs and the upper half of the torso so that when we sense, feel, become mindful of the torso we're including all the flesh and the organs including the liver or kidney or intestines or lungs or heart. And all of the flesh that surrounds those organs. And then sensing, being mindful, knowing that there is flesh in the fingers of both hands and the flesh in the palms and of the hands moving into the lower arms, the forearms and then the upper arms and shoulders, flesh. And continuing to feel the flesh of the neck and the head. Flesh of the face, tongue, brain. Then sensing, being aware of the flesh of the whole body as you sit here, from the feet to the head, inclusive. And then we'll Begin the scan going down to the going down, being mindful, aware. or simply knowing there is bone here as part of the anatomy. And so beginning with the head, we're aware of the bone that is here, feeling it or sensing it. and the bone in the neck, the top of the spine, shoulders, shoulder bones, and then the bones of both arms, upper arm, lower arm, and the many bones in the hands. And then continuing into the torso, sensing the bones in the torso, being mindful, aware, simply knowing the ribs, the spine as it goes down the back of the body, back of the torso, then the hip bones, bone, moving into the both legs, the bone in both upper legs, both lower legs, and then the many bones in the feet, in the feet and toes And in a very relaxed way, sensing the whole skeleton that's sitting here as part of your body, not having to change it or fix it or do anything, but simply be aware of the skeleton from the toes all the way through the head, the bone that is here. And then including the flesh, so that we can sense the bone, the skeleton that sits here, and the flesh that is all around the bone, the muscles, various organs, flesh and bone sitting here. and then adding the skin, which encapsulates the us, encapsulates the flesh and the bones. And so we're sitting in a very relaxed way with what's here, the anatomy of what's here, skin, flesh, bones. And we'll do a very brief acknowledgement of the elements that are here, the earth element that is characterized by bones, hardness, The ground, that's part of this body from a certain perspective. And then there's also the water element, the fluids of the body and the fluidity of the body, the cohesiveness. That's part of the water element. That's here with the earth element, the water element, the fire element, the warmth, the coolness, heat, that may be here or may be lacking. And then with the earth, water, fire, we add the wind element, sometimes called the air element which is the movement most clearly characterized by our breath and that takes us to our breathing right now so that in an embodied way with bones and flesh and skin and the awareness of what's sitting here we're also aware of the breathing that happens and it's part of how we want to practice which is of course in the definition of satipatthana to practice ardent fully aware and mindful so at the moment we want to be ardent fully aware and mindful of our breath that's doing itself. You don't have to do the breathing. We want to be aware of it. Being aware of the in-breath. and the out-breath, whatever way works for you. Some of us like to be aware of the breathing at the nostrils, some at the chest, some of us at the belly, the rising and falling, with each inhalation and exhalation. Some of us are simply aware of the whole body as it breathes. And of course this breath characterizes the fact that we're alive. That we enliven ourselves with each in-breath and we let go with each exhalation and as we looked at last Tuesday We saw how that we can use the breath to open the door to the part of the mindfulness of the body that deals with life and death. Because the breathing deals with life and death. It characterizes our being born with our first breath. And it is what defines the end of our life, which is our last breath. And so we can practice with Maranasati, mindfulness of death, acknowledging that as we breathe this in-breath, that it could be our last breath. and then we relax and let go with each out-breath. Breathing in with the implicit understanding that this could be our last breath. And with the out breath, letting go, relaxing, coming into harmony with the truth of the way things are. Scan tonight, dealing with the second foundation of mindfulness. We'll be looking at how we experience the moment and how we might react to it. And so as you sense your body sitting here breathing, one of the things that you can spend a little time being mindful of is the vedna or the feeling tone of what's here. And you could just scan or let your consciousness Scan your body and see if there's anything pleasant here as we sit here being mindful of the breath. Is the in-breath pleasant or is the out-breath pleasant? Or is the body sitting here, relaxing, and is that pleasant or not pleasant? Or neither pleasant nor not pleasant? And you don't have to think about this so much as just see what comes as we include this part of practice in our meditation just noticing in a very very relaxed way is there anything pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, neither pleasant nor unpleasant. And of course it's not just the body that we're being aware of, you may notice you're having thoughts or feelings at times, and they may be pleasant or unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, neutral. And we can just kind of sit back and rest in awareness and see how reality unveils itself moment by moment by moment here now. Letting yourself stay very present with the body, breathing, with this aliveness that's sitting here, aware. Very gently knowing when an experience is pleasant or unpleasant or neutral. letting that implicit vedna begin to reveal itself in a relaxed way So as you heard, even in the instructions, we're covering the different components that we've been looking at over the past six classes, um, including being mindful of the breath, posture. We haven't, we didn't do this here, but activities, and then also the anatomy that we went through and the elements and mortality which are all part of the first foundation of mindfulness. And I would like to encourage you to keep practicing while you're listening right now. Don't stop practicing because the meditation is over in a formal way. Keep practicing right now, being aware of your body and your heart and mind, because they're here and you, you will be aware of them. We want to be aware that we're aware. We want to stay present in the lived moment and see what happens. And so, um, we're going to keep expanding the, um, field of Satipatthana in the ordinary way, the four foundations of mindfulness. And we'll go to now to vedana, which I also brought into the meditation itself. And one thing I want to say before I say more about this is, uh, please, if you had any questions about the meditation or you're having any questions right now, jot jot them down or make sure you remember them so we can talk about it. Because what I think really happens here in a class like this is the whole Dharma comes alive when we get involved. And so your, your ardency, your engagement, your wholeheartedness is an important part of practice. And of course, that was the other piece besides the different uh, components that we've been looking at of breath, posture, activities, anatomy, elements, mortality. We also looked at the, the definition which I was highlighting three words from the definition, to be ardent, uh, fully aware, mindful, three, three terms. And the importance of that even now, like be mindful now, be ardent about it now, be fully aware now, and be aware that you're aware. And then the last piece that also we've been emphasizing is the is the refrain that is said over and over again. And of course, even after the teaching on Vedana, the refrain comes again about being mindful, you know, about the, the Vedana of one's experience, whether it's body, heart, or mind. And to um, start to understand that the goal that is put in the refrain is not clinging to anything in the world. And so we're learning something about what freedom is and what that looks like and how the four foundations of mindfulness support that or nourish it or seed that ability to be present with life as it is, to be present with the liveness that's sitting here in all its manifestation and not cling to anything in the world. And I'll just say this again, there's a few people who just come on uh, for the first time, but but not, remember, not clinging doesn't mean you don't care, or you don't love, or you don't, you're not involved, or you're not responsible. It just means you're not clinging, and you can love fully and give fully and care fully without clinging. And it's part of the paradox of the Dharma and of what freedom looks like. So, um, Vedna, vedna's uh, generally when I was growing up in the Dharma, it was always defined as feeling, right? That you want to be mindful of feeling. And then my teachers who were Westerners would always just go right to emotions, even though they knew better, what they wanted to do was teach, um, you know, body, heart, and mind, and heart always meant emotion. So that's where they went. And so I would go on retreats and they would do a talk on the body and then they would do a talk on emotions and then they would do talk about thoughts for mind and then they would go on from there. And uh, of course, they don't do that now because they know people are more sophisticated. And Vedna is such a key piece for all of us to learn about, to learn about not just, it's not just feeling in the, usual way you, we use the term in English. it's not just emotion, but it's the feeling tone of every moment of experience is either pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, somewhere in the continuum between pleasant or between and unpleasant. And so even now, you could just look and see, is this a pleasant moment or an unpleasant moment, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant, neutral. And there's not a right here. It's not like it's supposed to be pleasant, although that's mostly what we all want. We want pleasant and it's not it's um, supposed, supposed to be unpleasant just cuz it's buddhism and it's all about dukkha it's not supposed to be unpleasant and it's not just neutral those are three hedonic or affective tones that are part of reality and it's why it's in the second function of mindfulness cuz key to freedom and it's in it's in a lot of other lists in buddhism this Uh, vedna especially in the uh, dependent origination what conditions clinging and it has to do a lot with vedna and the not seeing of the vedna of the moment and so um vedna vedna um Here's something that Bhikkhu Bodhi wrote that I like. He said, the Pali word Vedna does not signify emotion. And then he's talking about emotion. He says emotion, which appears to be a complex phenomenon involving a variety of concomitant mental factors, right? It's actually going to be in the next foundation of mindfulness. Emotions are in the third foundation, which I would translate as heart, mind, chitta, I translate it as heart mind because they're both in there, and so, and so, um, Bhikkhu Bodhi goes on to say says the Pali word does not signify emotion, um, but the bare affective quality of an experience, which may be either pleasant, painful, or neutral, and that's all that all it is, and it's so simple. Uh, that that's part of what's difficult about it. And I say this often that what's difficult about the Dharma is the simplicity of being with things as they are, instead of the complexity that we're all myself included attached to that we've been cultured with in the Western United States, in the United States of America and Western culture is very, um, everything's complex if it's, If it's not complex, it's not good, actually. It's not valuable. You can't sell it in some way. So the Vedana is the taste of experience that then conditions experience, conditions reality. And what does it condition? And this is, again, the simplicity. So if it's pleasant, it conditions greed. Wanting, lust, whatever language we want to use, grasping, right? If it's unpleasant, it conditions aversion, not wanting, pushing away, denying, pretending, right? Getting rid of. And if it's neutral, it's actually even more difficult because it conditions a kind of forgetfulness or unpresence. Unpresentness and uh, and uh, an ignorance. Right, we we ignore things that are neutral because we want something. We want it either good or bad, or right or wrong, or black or white. We don't just want what's in between that. That doesn't have any juice to it. And so, part of what's key about studying uh, vedna is to start to know mindfully what it is and understanding that there's no way to avoid it or control it. That's not what we're trying to do. We're not trying to get rid of the thing. That's just part of reality. Some moments are pleasant, some moments are unpleasant, and some are neither. We wanna be aware of it rather than just be in reaction to it, right? And so, and also all Vedana is impermanent. It's changed, things change. Even, I mean, and this is, this happens for me. I don't know if it happens for all of you, but I, I mean, I can love something one day and then the next day, oh, I don't love that at all. I don't want it at all. And it's the same thing, right? You know, or another day, it's not a big deal either way. I don't love it or not love it. I don't want it or not want it. It's neutral. And, and, or even the most simple thing here, here's the bell. Right. Can you all hear the bell pretty well? Give me a thumbs up if you can hear. Right. How about now? Is that, okay. Was it more pleasant one time, less pleasant another, or more neutral for any of you? Thumbs up if it was pleasant once. Thumbs down if it was unpleasant once. Yeah, okay, so a little of both. It's just a bell, right? Really? Yeah. Just so you see, I'm not faking it. It's not electronic. Right? It's just a bell. Beautiful bell, huh? Totally, I mean, I can't believe human beings figured out how to make bells, right? I mean, who thought of the first bell? Just, I, I bow to them, totally. And so, and so, part of what's important about Vedana is to see that our happiness is not dependent on Vedana. That there's a happiness that's beyond pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral. Now here's a little, this is technical, but I'll throw it in. There's both worldly Vedna and unworldly vedna is classically how it's talked about, meaning there's the the vedna of conventional reality and there's the vedna of what we could call spiritual reality, and the difference. Sometimes that's highlighted when people talk about this is that uh, they can be beneficial or unbeneficial. Like like certain certain things can be beneficial or unbeneficial in the ordinary world, right? Like, like I'm saying, like food, right? How many people here like chocolate? Right, okay, it's good, most people do. How many people have eaten enough chocolate to not like chocolate sometimes? Right, okay, that's good. I love human beings. We're so funny that way. We just eat too much of it. But, and, and then sometimes you you ever get some chocolate and it's not that good and it's not bad, but it's just, it's just chocolate, right? It's neutral. And that can happen with any food, any time, actually. You know, I always think it's interesting because I live in San Francisco and, I like to go out to eat once in a while and I like restaurants and it's so interesting to see what people make. Cause I'm not a cook. And, uh, and then, and the food can be so great. And, uh, and then sometimes I'll go to the same restaurant and it's like, wow, that's not good at all. And then sometimes it's just like, eh, sorry I spent my money, you know, just cause it was neutral. I definitely can have a, uh, uh, an unpleasant reaction to my to the neutralness of something like that. That it's not so good. It's not good or bad. It's just kind of boring. How many people are noticing that there's interesting vedna now during the the uh, coronavirus? Right. There's there's a lot of unpleasant that happened, and that's happening, not just happened. But, and then there's a lot that's calmed down just about the change in lifestyle. It's calmed down a bit. I wouldn't say it's pleasant, but it's a little more neutral for people than it was for many of us, especially those of us who who aren't ill, right? But but the lifestyle has totally changed for all of us, right? I mean, we may be still working. Some of us, some of us may not be working now. And even working, we're working from home. And that, So that's a, there's a whole new, uh, and it's the same work whether you're at the office or, or at home, but it may have a different Vedna because a lot of people really like to get out of their house and a lot of people don't like to. So there's, a, there's an unpleasant Vedna when we, one has to stay home most of the time, even though you may have a really nice house. I'm just riffing a little, looking at other ways we can talk about vedana. Or the pleasure, the pleasantness of an experience can turn to compulsion or to addiction, right? Like um, with alcohol. I mean, people have a drink and they feel good. It's, it's a pleasant vedana, right, that's happening. And they get attached to it. They want more of it they want to feel good they want to feel relaxed quickly right or if you've ever done drugs like you know which i've tried many you know you can you think oh this is it this is great because we get high and then one does it again or again or again in order to make the same pleasantness happen because we're not seeing it's the pleasantness is what we want it's not the new drug I mean, the drug may facilitate it once, but other times it doesn't. Or even I was reflecting on the opioid crisis in our country. And and especially, I'm trying to remember the name of it. I can't remember the name. There was one when I had my accident that I got, That's very famous because a lot of people got addicted to it. And I understand it because I was taking it a lot after my bad bike accident. And it was great. I would take that pill and 10 minutes later, everything was fine. There was no problem. And it was a very positive thing at first because I had a lot of pain because of the bike accident. And then it turned to not a positive thing because at some point I realized, oh, I'm getting addicted to this. And I still needed to take some, but this was not being beneficial. This was not gonna help me in the long run, actually. And of course, a lot of people have gotten addicted and died because of the opioid, because of drugs being used to help pain, which is important and it being pushed a lot by the drug industry, the pharmaceutical industry, and then also because it's so good. And uh, um, I'm really, I'm struggling. If anybody knows the name of the really best opioid, send it to me because I would like to use the name. And of course I still have some back in a room somewhere because I'm, uh, I'm old enough to think, oh, you keep it around anyways. It's years old. But, um, oh, yeah, OxyContin. Thank you, yeah, everybody. Yeah, OxyContin. I loved OxyContin, to be honest, really. It was like you take one and you feel great. Now, I'm old enough, so when I was young, I took drugs and I took heroin. I shot heroin. And I I was never addicted to heroin, but I saw how quickly... You could become addicted. And uh, and so as soon as I got the, uh, that I was actually addicted to OxyContin, I immediately started to get off. And I knew you don't cold turkey. You go very slowly tapering so that your body can stay uh, relaxed while it lets go of the addiction to it. And I mean, OxyContin, for me that was like, that's a brilliant drug that could be very helpful for people and it's killed thousands of people. I mean, it's just horrible in that sense. And you all may know or have friends or family who've suffered in this way. <clears throat> so, the and what I'm trying to point to is there's, there's a pleasant, unpleasant, neutral experience uh, or v- pleasant, unpleasant, neutral vedana with any experience. And the experience can, it can be the same experience and change, right? And of course, it's more refined even when we're meditating. Every sight, smell, taste, touch, thought, feeling has vedana with it. It can be a pleasant thought, it can be an unpleasant thought, it can be a neutral thought. And even when we're sitting, sometimes we get really attached to pleasant thoughts. Oh, a great memory or a great plan, or I'm going to do this, or something wonderful is going to happen. Or we get very attached to unpleasant Vedna because we get connected to it. We get, we get energetically connected to that kind of idea that that's what's true. And so we get, caught in it we grasp at it actually not consciously but unconsciously we're holding on to it and of course most of thoughts most of my thoughts are pretty neutral i'm not even thinking them they're just doing themselves i i would you know i would be fine if there were no thoughts but they keep coming and i'm not doing them so what do you make of that right these thoughts are they pleasant are they unpleasant are they neutral And I'm sure you have all of the above, because everybody does. And the same with feelings. Sometimes love is very pleasant. I mean, we all love to be in love, right? Until the person or whatever we're in love with doesn't love us. And then we have this love and it's not pleasant. It's unpleasant. And then sometimes it's just love and it's not even a big deal, it's neutral. It's, it's not charged either way, sometimes. This is from Sayadaw Utejaniya. He says, Vedna is an activity of the mind. There's a difference between this activity of what he's calling feeling or feeling tone and our perception of it as pleasant, unpleasant or neutral. Vedna means feeling, feeling tone, sensing something, feeling into something. Whereas pleasant, unpleasant, neutral is our interpretation of the feeling, right? And that's why I'm saying like sometimes we like chocolate, sometimes we don't, sometimes it's not a big deal. It's our, our, he's calling it our, our interpretation. I would say it's our relationship to the experience, right? And so this is all what's called worldly Vedana, normal Vedana, conventional Vedana. Then there is another level that I mentioned about unworldly Vedana, and that's a whole other level of pleasure that can become the basis of awakening sometimes. And a really nice example is the Buddha's memory of being a boy and going into samadhi and sitting in a tree in his father's orchard the story is called the rose apple tree and he's sitting in a rose apple tree and something happens and he goes into samadhi he remembers this when he's seeking enlightenment and he's he's an ascetic and he's eating so little he's eating one rain, grain of rice a day and he's and he's afraid he's going to die or he sees that he could die and he has this memory and the memory is what conditions his movement towards the middle way, which is uh, not being an ascetic and not being a hedonist, but actually what's needed and what's true. And then living that middle path that Buddhism is, is, uh, 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 an expression of, right? And so that's a wholesome state of pleasure that he had while he was reflecting about himself he was having a memory that was wholesome and was supported awakening and you know there's other kinds of what's called non-worldly pleasant experience that you all have had some which is a kind of generosity that is not just you doing it it's just not even a question you just, you give but it's not cuz you think you should give it's just there and so the giving is there, the generosity is there. Or, or the brahma Viharas. when the brahma Viharas arise, we're not doing them. You don't actually do loving kindness or compassion or joy or equanimity. It arises when the heart relaxes and opens and expresses itself. It's an unworldly pleasant experience. Mm. And of course, on retreat, this can arise, and it has many times for me, of just the pleasure of simply being, of just being, not having to do, just being right here, and the beingness revealing itself, which is not conventional sense of pleasure. It's a sublime pleasure. <clears throat> And of course, with samadhi, I've had a lot of pleasure and I've really enjoyed it. And it's it's beautiful. There's unworldly pleas- pleasurable, pleasant experience that happens. The vedna of samadhi is really um, beautiful and has both pleasant and unpleasantness to it. And sometimes neutral, both, all, all three, not both. Um, and and that was really something for me to discover as I did a lot of samadhi practice at some point, because I I definitely got a little attached to the pleasure and of the bliss, of the unity, of the absorption, of the oneness that was here, and how delicious it was. And then as it got more and more subtle, how refined the pleasure was and the wanting it and going for it and getting it. And then seeing at some point that, oh, it's just dukkha to have to do anything at a certain level, especially at that level of samadhi. You had to do it to make it happen. And freedom is not about doing something. freedom's about being free. And so that was the unpleasantness of the samadhi. And of course, when I was doing the samadhi, there were a lot of times where it was very pleasant, but it was also just neutral. It was just, I was just doing the practice, right? And it was very neutral. So the Buddha put it this way. You know, he talked about himself somewhere in the suttas. He said, I am one who lives in happiness. I am one who lives in happiness. And it's, it's great to hear that because when you read the suttas, he doesn't just live in ordinary happiness all the time. He gets mad. He gets angry. He gets irritated at people. He's not happy with how some people act. So he's, he's a human being, but he's still saying I am one who lives in happiness because he had access to other realms of happiness that weren't just the usual realms of happiness. And he said, if defiling states such as greed, hate, and delusion disappear, nothing but happiness and delight develop along with tranquility, mindfulness, clear awareness, and that is a happy state. And so part of what we're looking at when we're studying Vedna is letting go of greed, hate, delusion, greed, Uh, um, aversion and delusion and the importance of that as we start to rest in the way things are or start to discover our nature which of course is our Buddha nature which is inherent here and I'll just end what I'm saying with another quote from the Buddha. He said, for some people contact, now I'm not going to end here. I'm going to say a little more, but I said this before about dependent origination, Um, contact breeds feeling and feeling if it's unconscious breeds clinging, right? The, The dependent origination are these 12 links of conditionality, And at some point, right in the middle, they have contact. Like, And contact means a contact of experience. Any experience, thought, feeling, sound, taste, touch, any experience that we have, any moment of experience. And contact breeds uh, um, feeling, Vedana. And Vedana can condition grasping or clinging. And if we're unaware of it, And so the Buddha said, for some people, contact the point where sense plus object meet is enthralling, right? When there's an experience, we're enthralled with experience I'm commenting on. He didn't say all this. So he said, the point where sense plus object meet is enthralling. And so they are washed by the tides of being drifting along an empty, pointless road, But others come to understand their sense activity. And because they understand it, the stillness fills them with delight. That there's something delightful, which of course is an unworldly kind of pleasant vedana that comes by learning how to just be right here in the middle of experience at this moment, right here, right now just to rest here, relax here, or be here. And then, especially on retreat, that kind of relaxing into the simplicity of being is quite profound. So those are a few of my thoughts about Vedna. I'd love to hear your comments, questions, reactions, liking, not liking please raise your hand and I see some hands going up. So I'm going to answer it. Oliver.
1: Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. Very well. Uh, Thanks for your uh, talk Eugene. Um, I think I uh, like start to understand kind of the point of contact and how that you're, the feeling generated from that can lead to, you know, Vedna, unpleasant or unpleasant. And then how that can lead to clinging or, you know, grasping with the pleasant aversion to the unpleasant. I was just curious, um, <clears throat> in the meditation you can notice, like I was um, quite tired today, so that was slightly unpleasant. Mm-hmm. So once you notice the unpleasant nature of Vedna, what's the practice to uh, release, To, to, I guess, not cling to the unpleasant or pleasant is it just by nature of becoming aware you then have the power to choose or i was wondering if there was like specific ways of thinking around to yeah. not be caught in it
0: well i think the main thing is being aware of it because as soon as you're aware of it there's something there that's not clinging to it mm. and you know it's a very famous eugene cash quote which is uh, awareness is not bound to what it's aware of. I'll say it again, awareness is not bound to what it's aware of. And of course we can point at that right now, like whatever you're aware of, the awareness is not bound to it. We get bound to things, Mm. but the awareness is already free.
1: Mm. And
0: it's one reason why we wanna cultivate an embodied awareness because awareness is here mm. and it's not something we're doing.
1: Does that mm. make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like rest back in the awareness that knows the pleasant, unpleasant, you're Absol- neutral.
0: Absolutely. And then you have choice also. Yeah. Cause you know, then, okay, it's pleasant. <laughs> I want some more chocolate <laughs> or whatever it might be, <laughs> or it's unpleasant. No, I don't want to stay here. Or, yeah. or right, or it's neutral. Oh, it's interesting. What what's it like to stay present when it's neutral? Is very interesting, actually. Maybe more interesting for me with, to either pleasant or unpleasant, because the neutral is, in some ways, at least for me, a kind of doorway to equanimity, because mm. it's just all happening on its own, anyways. Meaning meaning the neutrals happening, but even the pleasant and unpleasant is all happening on its own. You know, I'm a human being, human beings like food. I'm going to eat something sweet or sour, you know, I mean, I love, I love chocolate, but I don't eat much of it. Cause it it has an unpleasant effect on me because of the caffeine. And I'm super sensitive to caffeine, right? Mm. And so mm. I'm aware of the Vedna and, then I, and, and so it's not like I stop responding to it, but I'm not bound to it. I still can have some chocolate when I want, even though I don't like the caffeine effect mm. or mm. impact. Does that mm. make sense?
1: Yeah, totally, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah. okay. Mm. thank you. Okay, iPhone. Who are you, iPhone? Let's see you. Can we see you? Hello, iPhone. I, I unmuted you, iPhone.
2: Oh, hey, Eugene. It's Tasha. Oh, can you hi, hear me? Tasha.
0: Yeah, yeah. Hi, hi. I knew hi. I was watching you do a little walking practice. Great.
2: Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm wondering how you can balance letting go in periods of your life where you need to do a lot of doing and like striving
0: yeah let go while you're doing and striving you can strive without being attached to striving i know it sounds ca- ca- contradictory <laughs> there um meaning what i mean is you may have to do really put out a lot of energy to get something to happen and you may want to do that but you can relax around that.
2: Are you relaxing in the effort or are you relaxing in the
0: outcome? Uh, You're relaxing in the totality of the experience because you're trying to make something happen. You you are. And you also know that you're not in control. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: You're gonna do the best you can. The best you can may put out a lot of effort And I mean, it was one of the great things because I grew up doing, um, you know, a lot of long, silent retreats and everybody's going super slow and slow, slow, slow. And then I saw one of my teachers once at home and he was like, fast, fast, fast. He'd go, when he wanted to make shit happen, fast. And why not? Stay present with it all. And stay embodied with it all. Does that make sense? What I think I'm so. Suggesting? Give it a try. Yeah, yeah. yeah, give it a try. Play with it and see what happens because your awareness is always there. And of course, it's not even your awareness. It's just awareness. And it's, right. it's always right here. And actually, you're always right here, wherever here is, even if here is fast.
3: Okay,
2: that's a very involved answer, but thank you.
0: <laughs> well, no, but it's a great qu- question, an important question, an important part of our, our practice to actually see we can practice anywhere at any time, even with what you're calling striving.
2: Got it. Thank you.
0: Okay, you're welcome. This is, uh, this is usually Heather. Heather. But maybe it's Don. It's sure. actually Don for a change. Oh my God, <laughs> Don, you guys threw I know it's me off. Daunting, isn't it? <laughs> okay.
4: Um, so uh, when, when we think about having the contact, and the contact becomes the the Vedna, I've been trying to focus, or I believe the intent is to try to see how that Vedna <laughs> kind of morphs into um the, the clinging or the, or the conditioned response to actually watch how that transformation happens. Because once I can realize that, then I can give it space to say to the earlier comment, do I want to go this way or not? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's, at least that's what I've been trying to do. And I just wanted to make sure that that's kind of the right intent is to have that awareness of how that conditioned response arises out of the feeling.
0: Right. You know, beautiful. You're saying it really well. The conditioned reaction, I'm calling it a reaction, arises out of the feeling and mm-hmm. the and the feeling tone of pleasant, unpleasant, neutral. And it's what creates our habit. Yes. Because we believe it. Yes. And maybe we don't have to believe it. It's just Vedna.
4: Yeah. And in my experience of trying to do that, um, at least for me, I'm rather surprised at how quickly the Vagna morphs into the conditioned response. It's Yeah, I'm just amazed. It's like if you're really not aware or paying attention, you don't even catch that happening, or you may not. It's You've got to give it some space.
0: Yeah, Yeah. you want to stay aware and be present. And that's why it's helpful to do it on retreat and then every day, every moment
4: because it's here
0: every moment. So you're going to have plenty of opportunity to practice with it.
4: (laughs) Yes. All the time.
0: (laughs) Yeah. All the time in a relaxed way and see what happens. Yeah. 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 It it was on the last retreat I was on. It was great because I, for some reason it was very strong for me, that awareness and, uh, and it just changed my whole retreat because I never knew what I was going to do next, actually.
4: Yeah, yeah. I really noticed that, too, when I get, uh, like, leading to anger. So mm-hmm. I've really found myself in a position now to where I can see the the Vedna <laughs> building and I can go, oh, I know where this is going to morph into. And it mm-hmm. gives me the space to choose not necessarily to go that well.
0: <laughs> well, I've said this before, but my nephew always says to me, he said, I always think you're enlightened until I drive with you. And, <laughs> uh, and, and, and it's true, because I get angry at other drivers who don't know how to drive, in my opinion. And it's unpleasant <laughs> for me. But, but I also, and I feel very free about, I don't care about getting angry. I'll get angry, but I'm yeah. not going to drive my car into them or something right. like that, but but it's interesting to um, uh, be aware of it, even let it happen, and not be attached to it. Yeah, yeah. And
4: Great. All
0: right. Great. That, that's it. Good. Thank you. Okay. Thank you. Really nice to have you speak <laughs> up. <laughs> I'll try to do it some more. <laughs> Good. Uh, let's see. Uh, who do we have? I, this is, um, oh, my friend Phil. Where are you, Phil? Phil, how are you?
5: I'm great, Eugene. Thank you. I'm, I'm a little confused in your explanation in the sense that are you saying that conditionality leads to uh, Vedana or that Vedana leads to conditionality?
0: It's part of conditionality. It's, part, it's one component. Actually, if you, if you want the best Buddhist definition, you want to look at dependent origination. Right. And, and right. And then you have 12 links to conditionality.
5: But I see it as conditionality. That determines the way you see your experience. You you see what you believe. And if I already have a lens that says this is not what I want, Uh I am seeing the Vedana because I'm programmed to see it. Rather than the Vedana, then I can see the Vedana then unleashing further conditionality.
3: It's my conditionality conditionality
5: that leads to Vedana. Biologic, genetic, social conditioning.
0: Not it, any it is psychological psychology. conditioning?
5: That's already all there before I even respond to anything. Right. I wait, see-
0: wait, 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 wait. I asked you, where did you get your conditionality, Phil? And you said uh, a few things. Social. Biologic. biologic genetic. Genetic. Social. And social
5: influences.
0: What about psychology?
5: That's it's all part of the social issues.
0: Okay. That's okay. It. I okay. I
5: included in
0: family's part that. of social then for you. Okay. Sure. Totally. Okay. Yeah. So and do you think that your that your uh, attachment to pleasant, unpleasant, neutral got conditioned by all of that? Absolutely. Okay. So what's the what's the problem?
5: You you. What is your thought? Is that
0: what you think? I think it's part of what conditions, yeah, everything. Yeah. Okay. But there's something here that's also not conditioned. What's that? This is, I don't know, you'll have to find out. (laughs) You
5: suggested
0: it. (laughs) Meaning there's something here that's, inherent or innate that's a little beyond the conditionality right like in, the the, the free the, the free think. the free heart yeah
5: yeah I, I, i'm not quite getting what you're saying here yeah in, the theme, yeah. in terms of the inherent
0: the well, I'm pointing a little at the consciousness just because we always go over this part about consciousness or awareness. Awareness is not conditioned by, uh, by Vedana. Okay. <laughs> oh, thank you. Awareness uh, is not conditioned by Vedana. So
5: so why is equanimity not a Vedana? Um,
0: well, is it pleasant unpleasant? Maybe it is. Maybe it is. Maybe it is. But it may be an unworldly Vedana. Equanimity? Not just Equanimity, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's one of the Brahma Vaharas. It's not something you can actually do. You can mechanically do it sometimes, but really equanimity when we're talking about it as a brahma vahara it's a divine abode we're not doing it it's just here and that's an otherworldly component of reality and, and so we we can, can we can support it by doing it mechanically at times mm-hmm.
5: But... so one last yeah. question: Can equanimity yeah. exist? True equanimity and true mindfulness exist when there's a sense of self-presence, or not?
0: Uh, yes and no. <laughs> yeah, come on we always do this <laughs> well well this is the different part yeah okay <laughs> well so there, I'm, there's I'm something saying. there's something that knows right right, right. we could call it self or we could call it not but it's not conventional self it's not the ego identity self and mm-hmm. so and so if we want to go to Buddhism we would call it small self and big self as they talk about it in Zen. Right. And so that's all. And yeah, so there it's is small, something. There right? is something that is aware. It's me.
5: But it's not it's small YouTube, self. Can right? it it's, exist with
0: equanimity? I, I said it's not the small self. It's a big sense right. of self. Right. That's okay. what I'm, Yeah. Okay. And the small sense of self sometimes mimics the big sense of self to try to get there. The ego, here's a nice thing I heard from one of my teachers, that the ego is an echo of reality. It's an echo of reality. It's not the real thing, but it's echoing the real thing. Mm -hmm. And we can talk about that more another time.
5: Thanks, Eugene.
0: Appreciate <laughs> Thank it. You. Take care. Good to see you. Okay. 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 Karen.
3: Hi. Who's usually um, not Karen? It's it's Karen this time. Okay. Hi, Karen. <laughs> Hi. Um. I'm not even quite sure how to, how to formulate this but what Don was talking about kind of helped me um, I, I realized that I'm not usually aware of the Vedanas and when, when the question comes up when we're doing a meditation that involves the Vedana I, I kind of find myself at a loss mm-hmm. um, and I and this is true when I'm meditating by myself too if I try to, to go there I, I, I feel like I don't feel anything. Um, so it's
0: ne- it might be neutral. It
3: might be neutral, yeah. Um, and, and I've heard that I've heard the neutral Vedin described as delusion or ignorance, but it doesn't feel like that. It just feels...
0: No, no, that our reaction to it can be delusion wow. or ignorance. Not that the neutral is not either.
3: Uh-huh, it's our relationship
0: venue, right. to it. Okay. It's our relationship to pleasant, our relationship to unpleasant, our relationship to neutral. Mm-hmm. That's what we're looking at because our relationship is the reaction we're having towards part of reality, which is reality is pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral in any moment. Yeah,
3: okay. And I guess, uh, you know, often it is neutral, but I, I also as I was preparing for this question while I was listening to other people, I was thinking in when I'm not meditating or being aware, when I'm not consciously being aware, you know, I have, I have feelings of, I have plenty of feelings of this is pleasant. This is unpleasant. I'm angry. I'm happy. Um, I love this food or I don't, um, but I don't think of it as made enough. <laughs> I guess that's what it is. Yeah. yeah. Why yeah. don't
0: you play with it this yeah. week and see? Yeah. And even right now, see what's here. Is this a pleasant moment, unpleasant, or neutral? Right.
3: And that's the other thing is that it can, It feels like. I mean, this moment actually feels pleasant.
0: Okay. So when I was. A, so and just notice that you might have a reaction to the pleasantness, mm-hmm. and you don't have to even stop the reaction. You just don't have to believe it. Mm-hmm.
3: Just be aware of it. Yeah, be aware yeah, of it. Just recognize and it.
0: Even enjoy it. It's pleasant. Yeah. yeah. What the hell? I enjoy dark chocolate, really.
3: Right. Why not?
0: Why not? You yeah. know? But if I eat too much, I don't enjoy it.
3: In uh, the meditation, when you were giving that instruction about, about the Vedana, and just looking at whether what you're experiencing was pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral mm-hmm. because I, I've, I had all of, I had at least pleasant and unpleasant because there were parts of my body that were uncomfortable and other parts, actually all three mm-hmm.
1: right. parts of
3: my body felt fine and pleasant. And some were just like, just neutral, nothing right. really either way. Um, uh-huh. yeah okay
0: good good to see yeah. that and just yeah. when you're actually sitting you don't have to go looking for it just notice what's the what's the uh, experience that you're aware of that's in the foreground mm. and just is it pleasant unpleasant or neutral that's all it's okay. it's simple yeah okay okay good thank okay. you thank you Okay, Jill. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes.
2: Okay. So, um, well, I just wanted to share something about what I experienced while we were meditating. Please. Um, I was thinking about the Vedanas and noticing that throughout my body, there were combinations of um, unpleasant, um, pleasant, and neutral all at the same time. Um, and the only part of my body that felt pleasant was my mind. Or, mm. um, and even though I was kind of
0: that, in that pain, might, that might not be part of your body.
2: Well, I'm kind of. That's one of the things that I'm wondering about. Is right. I had, uh, you know, I have this pain and discomfort, but yes. in my mind, I'm feeling pretty positive, and everything feels right. uh, that part feels pleasant to me and I had this sensation where um, like my mind was moving backwards through the in the room it was uh, receding while in front of me everything was opening up
0: uh-huh.
2: and it was I was just watching that and it was kind of interesting and then I I thought wow that's really cool feeling
5: yeah, yeah. and then Sounds all of a sudden it
6: pleasant. stopped
5: uh-huh. as
2: soon as I acknowledge as soon as I thought wow that's really uh-huh. i like that that's really uh-huh. cool it's uh-huh. the scent, the um movement stopped
0: okay so and then what was there pleasant unpleasant or neutral with this it, it was
2: still pleasant i was still feeling i still had a pretty positive perspective uh-huh. it's just that that almost kind of a s- psychedelic sensation uh-huh. that i was having just yeah. stopped as soon as i yeah. I, I I guess I was feeling a little, I became attached to it or something.
0: Uh, don't worry about being too attached to it. Enjoy it. Because <laughs> yeah, it's very pleasant. And it's also a pleasant meditative experience that you're having. And one of the things that uh, pleasant meditative experiences can do is they can draw us in further. And that's one of the positives about the vedana if we're not just in reaction to the vedana Mm
2: -hmm. right
0: but we can give ourselves to the experience instead of having to figure it out even
2: Mm
0: -hmm. right and when i was doing samadhi practice my teacher totally encouraged me to just go with it enjoy it and and even he would say oh you can you can create the pleasure right and stuff like that because you learn you get some skills about how to how to become more unified with your experiences which is what is pleasant and and it does have psychedelic um fallout that for some of us we like and i'm like you i like that stuff so i'm always happy when that happens yeah it
2: was was pretty cool
0: (laughs) yeah yeah exactly it's pretty cool and yeah so and was there something else I'm, i can't remember
2: uh no i just wanted to i just wanted to share that
0: great well i'm glad you're getting your voice in the room more uh easily
2: <laughs> thank you
0: really nice to have you here thanks okay uh allison i've got to unmute you allison
6: hi thank you uh folks for having me here i didn't even know about this class so Tuesday, so Uh, uh I've been
0: attending. Great.
6: And um, I just happened to be studying the Vedanas as part of our homework. Um,
0: Homework with who? uh,
6: With you, uh, with CDL.
0: Yeah. Uh Oh, yeah.
6: And also preparing for a Dharma talk Uh in our CDL group. Great. Anyway, and what I had difficulty initially you know, separating the idea of Vedana from the idea of feelings. And Uh um, Uh I've been practicing with it. I realized that in some instances, particularly well, I think with all feelings as in emotions, Vedana immediately precedes them. So for example, I I think of you're in a public place and this was before social distancing and someone steps on your foot and you think your immediate reaction is anger, but your actual um, initial reaction was pain, Mm
0: -hmm. unpleasant
6: physical Vedana. That's right, yeah, yeah. That by by not noting it, you think Mm -hmm. it's only pain, but no, there was this little bit of, there was that Vedana first and that somehow, particularly, well, 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 in terms wait, of wait, I'm not,
0: wait, wait, wait. I want to be clear because I get somebody steps on your foot before you get angry, there's pain, right? Right, so that's painful, the Vedana. right, okay. And then, well, and then your reaction to it, the anger, is part of why we want to be aware of Vedana, right? Okay, we're, we're in agreement, that's yeah, right. So,
6: yeah. in a way, yeah, right, the Vedana kind of undercuts. The, the impulse to anger. In fact, if we could stop at that second and just deal with the pain, we might not even yell at them. Right.
0: Because, you know, right. you we know, might not be we yelling at the
6: pain and not get fully engaged with the anger. Right. But of course, that happens so fast yeah. that what we're left with is the anger. So then this is anger, right? right. This is anger. Right.
0: Yeah. No, we, we don't see the, what stimulated the anger, which is the unpleasantness of an experience and we can see right. that all the time actually and we can see it not just right. in and relating unpleasant. to others but how we relate to ourselves because mm-hmm. when there's an and unpleasant, unpleasant thought right, leads to,
6: could lead to fear
0: could lead yeah. to fear um, or, you know, or you have
6: a thought yeah so you yeah You look at an article and it triggers a thought about the virus. Then you have Uh fear that you Uh had an initial unpleasant Vedana with Uh the thought Uh of the virus.
0: Uh-huh. Yeah. And it is. It's an unpleasant unpleasant collective Vedana that we're having worldwide right now. And so how we respond to it, both individually and collectively, is very interesting. Because if we don't see the unpleasantness as key, then we're mm. going to act like, like I do. I walk around San Francisco a lot because there's not much to do these days. And I can't anyhow. I, I there's the, especially at night, there's not a lot of movies open or anything. So, <coughs> so I'm walking around and, um, and I'm going to mute you. Uh, there, um, and, uh, and, uh, the um, what I'm really interested in these days is um, the people who are driving who are angry. And I don't know if any of you seen. That. I saw it again last night. Like he got so angry. Somebody got got so angry, and it's like, oh, I get it. it's a, it's such an unpleasant experience for a young twenty year old man who's what he looked like. And to be like, there's nothing to do right now. Right. Except stay home. Right. And, uh, and so it was just so, um, and of course I had a lot of compassion for him, even though at first he scared me because he was screaming at somebody and it it was like, Whoa, that guy's serious. And, and of course my own, vaidna was a a little bit of fear and do i have to worry about this right is this guy crazy or what what's going on and and no and i had to walk right through who he was yelling at right the person in the other car which had gone into a driveway or something and you know yeah and so we're all dealing with this some way or another go ahead
6: I also appreciate very much your honoring pleasant Vedana. We oh, need
0: that. Sure. Yeah. Why not enjoy we it? We need you know, it. It's, it's, right. it's
6: springtime, you know. It's springtime, yeah. and we're told to stay indoors. Go out. Feel the Vedana. Yeah, nice, <laughs> nice. Pleasant Vedana. Uh-huh. <laughs> and that can bolster our spirits.
0: It can. can. No, it can be very he- skillful at times. And the truth is we can actually be fine in our house. I remember one of my teachers, he had a little cabin and uh, he, we were talking about something. I said, well, where do you do walking meditation here? He said, oh, in my cabin. And he was like, maybe it was 10 feet wide. And I said, oh really, 10 you go here? Said, oh yeah, I go back and forth and, you know, and he was totally happy to do walking meditation in his cabin. Of course, his concentration was very strong. So he knew how to be right there in each step. And of course, when we're doing walking meditation, we're really not trying to get anywhere, we're trying to get here. We're trying to get in the moment. And that moment can be in the 10 feet. But I agree, it's good for most people's soul to get out a little bit, walk in the park or at the beach, and uh stay six feet away from everybody else,
6: the main thing though, I think, is to pay attention to the pleasant to know because sometimes we have pleasant experiences, and we're just clueless we don't even we don't check in, but thank you so much.
0: sure, thank you. okay. We need to stop um uh Jeff, are you here, Jeff? I didn't see. No, I don't see Jeff's not here tonight, so I'll just say a little bit about um, Donna. Uh, remember that SFI is functions supported by your generosity. If you're part of SFI and taking this class, we appreciate your donation. Uh, Donna means generosity, um, and you know, some of that will go to Spirit Rock, and some of it will go to me. I appreciate your generosity. It's nice to have a few dollars to even if i can't find anywhere to spend it right now you know it's like but but i'll find somewhere trust me and uh and really let's keep practicing right we, we keep working with the body keeping embodied awareness this week and keep paying attention to vedna now this week let's see what happens as we stay aware of the pleasant, unpleasant, or neutral moment, and how we might be relating to those moments of reality wherever we find them. And then offering our good wishes to, and uh, offering to share our good fortune. Uh, may it go out in every direction. May all beings be happy. May all beings be peaceful. May all beings be free from suffering. May all beings be free from being attached to Vedana. May they be aware of Vedana without having to grasp or avert or be ignorant, but that they can wake up even with Vedana, with pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral experience. May all beings be free. Okay, thank you, everybody. And one more thing I'm always supposed to say about Donna that you can go to the SFI website, there's a PayPal. And then you go into the PayPal and it lets you direct the donation wherever you want. So thank you. Anyhow, I'll see you on Tuesday. We'll continue to study, learn, practice Satipatthana together. Be well.
5: Thank you for listening.